Are you a team manager struggling to lead your team well? Have you been asked to lead HR, but it's your first time? Or are you an HR pro looking for your tribe? While We Were Working is the show for you. With quick tips and tough topics in 30 minutes or less, the Jumpstart HR team is here for you. So let's get into it. Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the first While We Were Working episode of the year. I am Joy Price, one of your co-hosts, and as always, I am joined by Summer Heatron, our other co-host. Say hey, Summer. Hey, everybody. Hey, Joey. How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. I um, I, I was going to have a big old spiel about New Year's resolutions and what I'm doing, but um, Instead of that, I think we should jump into High Low Buffalo so folks can keep the rhythm of uh, our typical intros. And uh, for those who don't know what High Low Buffalo is, maybe we can build out the tribe of people who follow this awesome practice. So let's go ahead and jump into High Low Buffalo. But let me just set expectations. We're going to be talking about two big issues. We're going to be talking about uh, how to fire uh, gracefully and also um, proper classification of employees, um, whether it's exempt versus not exempt. So stick around. It's going to be a great show. Summer, let's kick it off with High Low Buffalo. I'd love to. And I've got uh, some exciting High Low and Buffalo to share. And just wanted to explain that this is an activity that we do internally at Jumpstart. And also we help some of our clients execute with their teams. And it's really a simple exercise that you could do as frequently as you like. It's to share a high, something that went great, a low, something that didn't go so well, and a buffalo, which is really anything random. And it could be work-related. It could be something outside of work, but it's really just a great way uh, to get to know more about your team and your coworkers. And I'm really excited to hear uh, what you have to share, Joey. So maybe we'll we'll change it up a little bit this week. And Joey, why don't you go first? All right, all right. Well, hey, new year, new new things, right? Time to switch it up. So my high is that uh, we we've set some pretty aggressive goals this year for Jumpstart, and um, we're already moving forward in some of them. Uh, one big thing is that we've submitted a proposal. Uh, for some state government work that I'm really excited about. Uh, it, it's one thing when you get to help businesses perform better. Um, it's another when you get to help your government perform better. And so uh, really uh, excited that the team rallied to um, pour into the bid and, and uh, make it a successful bid. I, uh, fingers crossed that we win. Um, but for me, I think the, the, the high is that uh, we're leaning into 2020's goals and uh, pretty fearless about it. Um, and so that's a high. Uh, a low would be, um, you know, I'm still riding the wave of the holidays. I don't, I don't really have any lows right now. I think that uh, uh, as I reflect on last year, um, there's a lot to be excited about. And, um, you know, we're all navigating what work life looks like, what home life looks like in the midst of this whole Panda Express that's going on right now. But uh, to, to be able to wake up every day, do something that I love, um, have, a, have a family that, that, I, that I enjoy 
um, and and that <laughs> enjoys me too. I mean, what there? I'm just grateful, um, and so I'm gonna ride that wave. Uh, now, my buffalo is um, I didn't I didn't think of a buffalo, but what I oh let me do this let me do this uh, let me think about something that's really fun on my desk. All right, so I have this thing here on my desk. You can't see it if you're watching or if you're listening on the podcast, but it's this new tool that I'm really excited about. I'm, I'm pretty geeked about uh, tech and toys. Um, it's actually something to help my, my microphone sound a little bit better. So it's called a cloud lifter. So if anyone is a techie out there and you're into gear, um, I just bought a cloud lifter for my mic. So go down the rabbit trail of Googling and uh, you may see some fun things about that. But that's my high-low buffalo. High is the contract uh, or the proposal. Low is, um, you know, no, no reason to be low right now. And the buffalo is the gear on my desk. Summer, what about you? <laughs> uh, well, Joey, I'll definitely have to learn more about, about that tool because I didn't even know anything like that existed. Uh, but I, I definitely have to give some serious shout-outs to the team in reference to that proposal that you were mentioning. I know that everybody was working round the clock through the weekend as I was I was seeing the messages on the Slack channel. So team, for those of you listening, great job. I could not be more proud of you and really excited to see where this takes us. Yeah. So Hilo Buffalo, uh, Joey, you know, I love to get out and, and, and adventure in the world. And there was the most beautiful uh, destination that I had the opportunity to visit this last week. And it's called Green Beach on the big island of Hawaii. And this is one of the four green sand beaches in the world. And it was a two and a half mile hike each way, um, but it was absolutely worth it. The green sand is actually a mineral. And um, while it wasn't as green as I had hoped it to have been, if you actually took a scoop of it and you looked at it, you can see all of the minerals in the sand and the beach there is absolutely spectacular. So I'll see if I can get a picture that we can share with our, our folks on social. It is um, definitely a place for the bucket list for sure. Mike. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say... Um, I don't know if you had a question, Joey, but I was going to dive right into the low, but go for your low. Yeah. Yeah. So the low, of course, you know, unfortunately, just too many COVID cases. And I think, you know, everybody um, at this point is is probably in the same same boat that I am, which is it's it, it's just it's been too long. And, you know, it's it's kind of scary to see that, you know, things are headed in, you know, in in, in a tough direction. So. You know, it's definitely, you know, kind of a low that I'm hearing from our clients across the U.S. And I'm just hoping that we can get through it sooner than later. Agreed. Agreed. But let's close this out, Joey, with a buffalo. Um, <laughs> those of you that already knew this, feel free to laugh that I didn't know it. I, I just I stumbled across this fun fact in, and it was kind of part of, you know, looking into what's happening with COVID right now. But I actually found out in reading some articles that copper and brass doorknobs are disinfecting. Did you know that, Joey? You know, I had heard something like that in the past, but not the doorknobs. Yeah. Um, it, there's this tool that, that people sell now that are like uh, brass door openers right. and um, just like this little gadget tool. And, mm -hmm. and that was supposed to be, 
um, safe, but I didn't realize that the metal in and of itself is what is uh, safe. So right, no, I right. didn't know that. I didn't know that. So you can't count on me to get into the science of this. You'll have to go to Google to learn learn more about it. But uh, essentially, the metal ions have a toxic effect on bacteria. And I thought, well, like, who knew? So of course, I asked my teenager, and she's like, I knew that. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'm the only one. But I thought that was pretty fascinating. No, Summer, I, I had no idea either. And if you're <laughs> tuning in and you uh, knew that, um, feel free to shame us because we know what we're good at, and that's HR. Uh, right. We don't profess to be uh, scientists or chemists, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. But but no, that's that's interesting. That's interesting. I'm wondering if I need to go on like Home Depot or something and buy all brass doorknobs for for safety. <laughs> uh, well, it makes sense if you think about it, you know, how many doorknobs are actually made out of brass or copper. And yeah. uh, I didn't know it. I thought that was pretty interesting. So if you didn't know it and you're listening or you're watching our show, um, that is your fun fact for the week. All right, cool. That was a fun fact. And uh, now we'll segue into uh, stuff that we're, that we're good at. And uh, <laughs> we're going to go into while we were working. And for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, while we were working, it's basically our way of catching you up on uh, news, uh, commentary, things that have been happening that you may have missed while uh, while you were working. Mm -hmm. And so this is a season where we're coming out of the holidays. Uh, we're already in the new year. Organizations are hitting the ground running. And one of the things that happens at this time of year is that there are uh, resignations but there are also terminations too. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Summer found this really great article that we will share in the uh, show notes as well as drop in the chat. Um, and it's all about seven tips for firing an employee gracefully and ethically. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, um, we're gonna talk about this and we're gonna march through the seven tips, uh, but, but you have to realize that the pain point of firing someone without grace is that not only do you impact that individual who's leaving your organization, but it sends a strong message to the people that have stayed. And no one deserves to be uh, terminated um, angrily or uh, without grace. And there are tools and tactics that we can help you with uh, if you struggle with that. Um, but I just wanted to set the table of just how important this is because we're in a season where a lot of people are changing seats. Um, some on their own and some not on their own choosing. Um, so Summer, let's go ahead and talk about maybe the first tip of how to uh, fire with grace. I sure will. And I'd like to back it up just a little bit and also mention why this article was top of mind. And in case you haven't heard already about the CEO of Better.com firing 900 of his employees, on a single Zoom meeting before the holidays. That's really what, what brought this uh, you know, to, to my attention, really wanting to share some of the tips from this article and also you know, ap apply that to our experiences and, and why it's so important. So I don't know that we'll get to cover all seven, Joey, but uh, let's dive into the first one and before we do, <clears throat> I'll also share some wisdom from one of my mentors. She said that whenever you have to part ways with a team member, 
it's so important that you leave them with their dignity and that you treat them with respect. And that as long as you have those as your guiding principles, you will likely never steer yourself wrong. And I think that that's very true. So when I saw gracefully and ethically um, on this article, Joey, um, it, it definitely caught my attention. Yeah. So uh, first, you know, first things first is prior to terminating somebody, it's very important to give the employee the opportunity to improve. And I cannot say this enough because we have uh, we have clients who come to us and they want to part ways. And the first question I'm going to ask them is, OK, well, what documentation do we have that this team member is not meeting expectations? So if there's none, it's really important to go through that process and identify what are the expectations, where are they falling short and what does the company and what does the employee need to do to make progress in those areas? So that's number one, providing opportunities for improvement beforehand. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. Um, I approach performance management from, I use, I use the word uh, reconciliation um, mm -hmm. from a reconciliatory standpoint, because uh, it, first of all, it's it's very expensive to terminate someone and then mm -hmm. um, replace them with a counterpart and train them up and develop them. So if you have someone who already has the forward momentum of knowing your business and understanding, you know what it is that you do, uh, it's incredibly important that you do what you can to uh, steer the ship around and mm -hmm. get things on track. Um, I think it's a helpful practice because if you're able to at least make the attempt that shows as an organization you you're thoughtful about um, what does success look like how do we measure it how do we help people get there and if you can if you can walk through those things with, mm -hmm. with the person who isn't doing well uh, but just imagine what you can do with someone who is uh mm -hmm. doing well and excelling mm -hmm. um so that is absolutely a great point is you know um give them an opportunity to improve uh, for those reasons. And also another reason is, you know, if it comes down to an unemployment hearing and someone's let go and uh, you don't have an employee handbook that, that says their reason for separation was, um, was documented as a, mm -hmm. as a means for termination and they weren't given an opportunity to get better, then there's a strong chance you might, you might lose your case in an unemployment mm -hmm. hearing uh, at, the, at the mediation. So, um, you want to write out and document the steps that led to the termination. Mm -hmm. And part of that is giving an honest effort and letting that person uh, turn around themselves. Mm -hmm. Agreed, agreed. And moving on to one of the next items is making sure that you have a, a solid transition plan. And what I mean by that is choosing the day and the time of the termination deliberately. And so when you think about, you know, the days of the week or the time during the workday, doing it early in the day and early in the week is better than later in the day and later in the week. And sometimes it's, it's not possible to plan it that way, but in, you know, in most cases, you do have the ability to plan. Um, and that's definitely what I have found to be best practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I, you and I, we could go in on a uh, an hour or two of stories of terminations that went well, terminations <laughs> that didn't. Um, but the mark of the ones that have gone well is usually usually that there has been a plan in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, the the night before or the week before, um, parties are clear on what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a very crude analogy, but it's almost like a a really good SWAT sting operation mm-hmm. where everybody has a plan, um, they know what to do. Um, you are able to stick to a script, uh, keep the moment concise, and just go right to the heart of the mm-hmm. action and um, and then uh, end the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, when you don't have that plan in place, it goes off the rails really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, emotions get the best of people. Uh, it, things can get violent. Things can get um, bitter. Uh, there could be retaliation that you know of and that you don't find out about until later when files are deleted, so on and so forth. So right. um, having a plan helps you uh, identify risk and um, and mitigate it to the best degree possible, mm-hmm. even down to the to the stance of like, okay, if and when we separate this person, do we think that they're volatile mm-hmm. or do we think that they're, they're gonna take it in stride? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you suspect that they're volatile, there are some things you may need to, to be mindful of and, and steps you mm-hmm. put in place to mitigate that volatility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are some thoughts on, on that on that topic. Mm-hmm. Let's, do yes. one, let's do one more after your after your thoughts. Yes. Well, you actually touched on on a couple of the others that are on this list. And one of them was to be clear and concise. So I just wanted to add a little bit to that and why it's important, because this um, actually ties into to a additional um, item on the list as well, which is being sure to involve HR. So we hadn't mentioned that yet, uh, but I definitely want to make sure that for those of you that are watching and listening, that you do make sure that you have your HR partner involved in the process. Because when I think about those terminations that have not gone well, it is... Um, typically a situation where a manager has been tasked to handle it on their own and they're doing the best that they can, but they don't know that there's, you know, there's certain things like what we're talking about today that can actually make it go better. Uh, But the clear and concise part is so important because as soon as this individual knows that they're losing their job, chances are everything else that's said after that point is just going to just going to be on deaf ears because that emotional response and uh, the chemical response in the body really just shuts down the individual. And sometimes that comes out in different emotions as you discussed, Joey. Um, But one of the things that I encounter frequently is the departing team member wanting to debate the reason why they're being terminated. And so you don't want to get into that dialogue of it being up for debate. It's like, no, this decision has already been made. We are very sorry. Your employment is ending today and then moving forward. Now, that's the number one tip that I can give about being clear and concise because you don't want to get into a situation where it becomes uh, becomes a debate. Yeah, yeah, you bring up a great point. And um, I'm going I'm to tee you up on this next thought. I'd love mm-hmm. to get your, uh, if, the, if that 
CEO of better.com were to hop on a, a coaching call with you, I'd love to hear what advice you would share um, specifically about kind of what they, what he should have done differently. Um, but on the topic of like the grief and the negotiation, mm -hmm. uh, you, you don't want to get to a point where people are processing the seven stages of grief uh, mm -hmm. inside that meeting. Mm -hmm. And I've even heard of instances where people have been able to uh, essentially um, barter and, and um, negotiate their job back, uh, which, you know, the verdict is out on how they're performing. But right. uh, just all that to say, if there is a manager who is weak in their plan, their termination mm -hmm. plan, and they don't have HR in the room, mm -hmm. uh, you could be so... Uh, you could have a hard, hard facts that this person needs to leave mm -hmm. and walk out of there, you know, kind of like, well, we gave it our best shot and they, they bullied us into keeping their job. Right. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've seen it all. We've seen it all. You need to have experts. Um, but, but Summer, what, what coaching would you give to the uh, Better.com CEO if, um, if, if he were listening? Well, I've actually thought about this quite quite a bit, Joey, not just in preparation for our, you know, for our session today, but just thinking about like how was this a good idea um, in in the CEO's mind? And I think there's a lot of reasons that I might be able to come up with why perhaps he chose this route. And I'm thinking uh, leading leading by um, financial business decision as opposed to leading by people decision. But the advice that I, I would have given him is that, it, and it goes back to what we were saying earlier, making sure that we're treating everybody with d dignity and respect. And how do you want to be remembered? Because I'm thinking that at some point he is planning on turning his business around and that many of the people that he had to let go, uh, he may want back. And so I, I would encourage him to work with these individual with these individuals who had to get let go to actually have the termination meetings with them because that's really ultimately how it should have been done because like who deserves to be terminated in a group meeting yeah that's that's not uh not ideal at all um it, it's it's not like it's not a game show right it's not like uh the apprentice um, where it's for social consumption. Um, it's a very personal, mm -hmm. personal thing mm -hmm. that you have then just publicized uh, mm -hmm. for your staff and now publicized to the mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. So um, great, great feedback. I want to I wanted to pivot now into our segment that we like to call Consultant's Corner. And if you haven't tuned in before, if it's your first time, Consultant's Corner is where we get uh, feedback from our listeners, from our uh, customers, uh, from our team, and anyone who wants to send an email to hello at jumpstart-hr.com. And we talk about things that we're seeing uh, in our work. Uh, so we uh, get very transparent. We deep dive into topics. And we, we save quite a bit of room for us to dive into this topic. Uh, today's topic is going to be all around, um, well, it's in the, the title of the show. Uh, misclassification of employees. So if you mm -hmm. didn't tune into the last episode, we talked about misclassification of team members 
uh, with regard to whether someone should be a consultant or whether they should be an employee. Mm-hmm. Now, taking that one step further, there's the age-old question of, well, should this person be a salaried or should this person be hourly? And uh, are they eligible for overtime or not? Um, believe it or not, those are two separate questions that mm-hmm. uh, you could answer to the affirmative in a multiple uh, number of ways. It really just depends. So we'll dive into it. Uh, but the pain point here is, uh, well, somewhere I'll let you talk to the pain point and, and we'll dive into into the topic. Oh, gosh, I think there's so many pain points, but it is a nice segue from the discussion that we started last week, because that first hurdle is determining, you know, are they a contractor versus employee? And then once you decide that they're employee, then you have to determine their classification. And I wanted to talk about a couple of terms that are sometimes used interchangeably because uh, it can make it very confusing if you're not very familiar with some of the terminology. And, you know, kind of the first order of business is understanding that when you hear the term exempt versus non-exempt or salaried and hourly, that um, sometimes those terms are used interchangeably. So exempt would be exempt from overtime and minimum wage. And that would be um, also the same term that one may use for a salaried employee. And then of course, course, non-exempt, meaning they're not exempt from that rule, would be an hourly employee. So just wanted to talk a little bit about that first. And um, also dive in and say that um, the FLSA indicates that most employees must be paid overtime unless they meet that exemption um, from minimum wage and overtime. And there are these classifications that they've created. There is um classifications of exemptions and so there's an executive administrative professional computer uh, and outside sales role exemption and you know i think there's so many little rules um, to navigate these classifications and we see them we see unfortunately clients get this wrong Um, on a very, very frequent basis. And if you remember, we talked a little bit about, you know, what can happen if you don't get your contractor and employee classification right. Um, And you better believe that there are also stiff penalties for getting um, these classifications incorrect as well. So not sure if you want me to talk a little bit about what those fines are, Joey, but I'd be happy to do so, or we can dive right on into how do we determine a classification for our employees? Well, I'm going to date myself a little bit, uh, but in the words of my friend Jerry Maguire, show me the money, Summer, show me the money. (laughs) What are the fines? What are the fees? What are we talking here? Are we talking, you know, um, a Ruth Chris dinner, or are we talking like, you know, a Toyota Corolla. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I I must say that, you know, sometimes these classifications are incorrect um, intentionally because companies say, well, I can't afford overtime. And that's a big, big mistake. And other times, like I mentioned, it's just a misinterpretation on uh, the, the test itself, like interpreting 
this individual an individual's job and um, the test outline or the guidelines i should say but the fines joey are um, back pay for overtime for the last two to three years so it's three years if it's determined that it was intentional plus a penalty after you've paid that amount to the employee a penalty equal to the amount owed so now you're paying twice that amount of the back pay you have to pay for attorney's fees of your employee and of course your own and dol penalties so you know kind of the the lesson or the lesson learned here is just don't do it just get it right <laughs> yeah yeah it's like uh i don't know if you play uno but uh it's like the, the worst stacking ever of first you're stacking the back pay mm -hmm. then you're stacking the mm -hmm. double fine and then you're stacking attorney fees and so it, it just it it pays to get it right Right. And um, the, to the companies out there who, again, this goes back to what I always say, with HR, you can't rely on your gut or Google because mm -hmm. they can both, both do you wrong. But um, you have to know the description of what the person is doing because you can't just blanket say, all right, I'm going to pay this person a salary. Mm -hmm. They agree to it. It's legal. Mm -hmm. uh, because right. there are many nuances that I'm sure we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, but you can't just blanket say salary mm -hmm. uh, exempt from overtime is the standard operating procedure at a company. And there's several, several reasons why for that. Right, right. And I can I can't tell you, Joey, how many different uh, misunderstandings I have heard as I've talked to clients and managers over the years of what they believe qualifies and i'm only going to be able to cover this very high level just due to time but please know that if you are listening and you want to know more or need help with these types of classifications or you're concerned that there may be some risk to reach out to us because we do this all of the time we are experts at it and we're we're happy uh, to help you navigate this because it's just something that you don't want to get wrong. So in short, there are two tests involved. You have the salary and the duties test. So the salary test is pretty easy. It's that the position that this employee is in must pay a minimum amount. The duties test is really where there's the challenge because one, it's not just titles. Uh, so sometimes companies think, well, you know, we'll just give them a manager title or a director title, and that's going to imply that they they meet these criteria, um, but that's not it. There are other um, very gray terms, um, and this is where people get in trouble. As um, one of the one of the tests being that they need to have independent judgment with matters of significance. How clear is that, Joey? <laughs> I mean, is are matters of significance? You know, the uh, the snacks that are in the break room, or is it like? firing or hiring someone like what matters of significance <laughs> right right and then there's other there's other fun uh duty tests which is uh, a primary duty of managing the enterprise or um, hiring firing directing the work of two plus others so some of those are a little easier to check the box on but primary duty of managing the enterprise is really open to interpretation. 
And the last piece that I wanted to mention about this is there's another term that, uh, that defines um, some of these activities needing to occur uh, customarily and regularly. And what I have seen in working with legal counsel on this is that what it means is that when we're evaluating these duties, that it, they need to be done for more than 50% of the worker's time. And actually to be safe, I recommend that when we go through the evaluation, and I'll talk really briefly about how we do that in just a moment, that it's significantly more than 50%. Because if that worker isn't performing the job exactly as you have it written down on paper, and chances are they don't, <laughs> then you don't want to open yourself up for some exposure if the amount of time that they're doing it is actually less because then they don't technically qualify yeah yeah and and something that gets people uh tripped up um, knowingly or unknowingly mm -hmm. in, this, in this area is like i'm going to give this person a director title um right. but they have to come to me to make any decision about their department Mm -hmm. Well, if if the, <laughs> the whole point of a director is to be able to direct, and right. if they don't have that autonomous guidance, if mm -hmm. they're not, you know, autonomously in charge of those two to three people that you mentioned, um, mm -hmm. if they do not have the ability to, um, with the advisement of HR, you know, independently mm -hmm. hire, fire, promote, then mm -hmm. you may have given someone a director title because we think it feels good for them to mm -hmm. have that title. We think they feel good about that title but in the eyes of uh in the eyes of the department of labor i mean it, it, it's 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 not a director uh right so we have to be careful about um and we see this in nonprofits, right is when mm -hmm. we bestow these titles of director manager uh and you know executive whatever the case may be but when you get to the nitty-gritty of their detail mm -hmm. they're an administrative assistant or right. they are a coordinator at best and so um, nonprofits struggle with it, small businesses struggle with it, but any, mm -hmm. anyone is subject to struggling with this. Absolutely. And to, to wrap up our show, I'd like to just share a little bit about how we tackle this with our clients at Jumpstart, because as I mentioned, it is a very common uh, challenge that small businesses face. And what we would do is we would work with you to first develop, if it's not, if it doesn't already exist, a very accurate and current job description of, of the individual. And we would want to understand how much time is being spent on the items that are on the job description. And then what we will do is we'll go line by line to determine whether uh, each of the sections on the job description in itself would qualify for um, they, they would meet the duties test or not as a hourly or salaried employee. So we would go through that line by line. And that is truly the most important piece because as I mentioned, the salary test is pretty straightforward. And then what we would do is make sure that we add up those percentages of time and that they are greater than 50%. And of course, have the approval of the employee who's doing the job so that it's an accurate reflection. And while that is really oversimplifying the entire process, there's a lot of discussion involved about 
Um, who's making decisions on these items? Do they need secondary approval? Um, those types of discussions are involved, but you can get to the finish line and know that you have your employees classified correctly. And so long as that job doesn't change significantly, uh, that classification should stick um, unless there's changes to the test. So I'll leave everybody with some parting thoughts. And that is if all of this wasn't enough for uh, determining your classification to please know that many states also have their own criteria. Yeah. And so it's best to leave it to the experts to help you navigate them uh, because you've got, you know, you've got the kind of the federal rules and some states have their own and they can be drastically different. Yeah. Uh, as a cliffhanger, my favorite is uh, in, in California with the, um, the tech industry. And uh, if you are in programming, uh, there are certain, the salary threshold is like way higher, um, way higher than the uh, the federal standard. And so you got a you got a lot on your hands. And if you mm -hmm. if you feel like it's it's too much, or if you don't know if you're going about it all the right way, uh, that's what we're here for. You can reach out to us at jumpstart-hr.com. And uh, we'd love to, to help you. I mean, that's that's really what we're in the business of doing. That's why we produce these shows every week is to help businesses make really good decisions, build winning teams, build winning cultures. And so, Summer, you have any parting thoughts before we end this episode? I think you covered it. And I appreciate everybody sticking around for a couple extra minutes this show. We had a lot to cover, but I hope that you learned something and if there's anything we can do please reach out we would love to chat with you definitely definitely and check out other episodes as i mentioned this is part two of uh, employee classification or team member classification but we've talked about cover letters we've talked about hr tech span uh, we've really covered a lot of interesting topics that your small business needs to know about so until next week you can check us out at our podcast you can check us out on our jumpstart youtube channel our social media pages. And if you like this episode, give it a five-star review wherever you get your podcast and uh, share it with members of your team so we can help you out while you are working. Until next time, take care. Thank you.